Here's Stan Warren Luttrell. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the Finding Hope podcast, episode number 29, brought to you by the fine folks at Hurley's Tax Service, located at 843 Alder Creek Drive in Medford, and it's sweet B as in boy. And today, we have Liz Adams, who's going to tell us what she does here at Rogue Retreat, and don't forget... You can find, we now have the Finding Hope podcast page right here on RR Rogue Retreat. Look it up on Facebook and like us. And don't forget, you can love us on iTunes and give us some feedback. Now on with the program and thanks you for listening to episode number 29. Welcome. To Finding Hope, episode 29. Wow. Uh, episode 29 of the Rogue Retreat Finding Hope podcast. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Hurley's Tax Service, located at 843 Alder Creek Drive in Medford, Suite B, as in boy. And while doing taxes can be hard, going to Hurley's Tax Service is easy. Call 541-774-1040 for an appointment and tell them that you heard about it on the Finding Hope podcast. And now, on with the program. Today's episode features a guest that I've been wanting to see here for a long time, and don't make any sea jokes, please. Fighting <laughs> <laughs> Hope and, and Liz, and I saw your last name and I forgot it. Adam. Adam, that's right. And we're honored to have her here, and we're going to learn more about her. Uh, well, she can tell us what she wants us to know. Oh, she's that could be she's about to leave right now. <laughs> but she wants us to know nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I know nothing. Okay. Uh, then, uh, but uh, first of all, I'm going to start out the question with this one. How did you find Rogue Retreat and what do you do here? Oh. Aside from everything. <laughs> so... Several years ago, I worked for another organization that started a partnership with Rogue Retreat, and so that's how I became to know about Rogue Retreat, and I was the the case manager person at that organization that was assigned to work with... Does that organization have a name, or are you afraid to say it? They do. It's the Housing Authority of Jackson oh, County. okay. I was there for 21 years. Wow. Um, but over the course of a few years, um, we I worked closely with the folks at Rogue Retreat developing this housing retreat program, fine-tuning it. Um, then one day I found myself out of a job, and after my breakdown, I called Chad because I had known him. I knew he was a pastor at a church. Everybody knows Chad. Well. Um, but, but the relationship that I built with Rogue Retreat prior to that day, um, I think, is what kind of led me to call him. And he had me come to his church and sat there, and we chatted for a while, a couple of hours. Um, he listened to me boo-hoo for a little bit. 
um, prayed for me, and then he offered me a job. It's kind of amazing how many of us have that story with Chad. I know. <laughs> Um, the, it started out as just part-time work filling in for Cindy. She was going on a month vacation, and they needed someone to come in and do the property management piece, do inspections. So I came in part-time. Um, but in the meantime, I was drawn unemployment, and I was required to look for work. Um, Chad kept trying to figure out a way to find the funds to hire me on full-time. But in the meantime, I was out there looking for other jobs. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what Chaz does. Chad does. He tries to figure out a way to do certain things. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> he, very yeah. good at that. So I went on a few different interviews, and um, nothing really just stuck with me. It was just kind of out of <clears throat> desperation, number one, mm -hmm. um, just needing a job. But also where my heart was at. Um, nothing just fit with me. Um, I had a property management company. I interviewed. They loved me. She offered me a job the same day, but the pay wasn't anywhere close to what I was making. And so with a heavy heart, I declined that job. Um, and I believe it was the same day or maybe even the very next day that Chad called and said, we figured out a way to pay you. We'd like you to come on full time. So it was meant to be. Um, looking back now, my mom kept telling me it was a God thing that there was no way you were going to leave that organization, even though it was draining me, it was somewhat toxic, um, it just was wearing me out. Mm -hmm. And she said God had to intervene and remove you from that in order for you to figure out where you were supposed to be in your life. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what brought me here. And so today I am the program director and I oversee all of the many programs that we have here, um, which seems to be growing every day. Every day we get like three new ones that we didn't know about. <laughs> I currently have close to 30 staff that are under one of our programs to some degree. Um, so it does become challenging at times, but yeah. it is very rewarding. Absolutely. You know, Liz, I remember when, um, when you got brought into Rope Retreat, and I remember the size that we were back then when you came when you first came into the organization and you being here you've helped really kind of architect and develop the case management program and our other programs what's it been like to come into rubber tree when we were such a small organization and to be in the middle of it as we've um, had this rapid growth over the past few years well when i started here i think there were about seven employees mm -hmm. it was pretty small um, and I thought, you know, this is, this is good. I, when I started at the housing authority, there were only about 20 employees there. Mm -hmm. So, and then I, I even looked back further, another job I had. It was a very small hardware store in Ashland. There were three employees. Mm -hmm. And by the time I left there five years later, it was huge. There were probably 20 employees. Um, so I kind of am thinking that I go into these small organizations and help the growth, mm -hmm. um, which is a good feeling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're an employee magnet. I... She is. Because <laughs> <laughs> where you go, things grow. <laughs> Staff seem to follow her. There we go. Um, but no, it's, it's been a little bit challenging. It was fun in the beginning, um, bringing... <clears throat> it's still fun, but bringing on um, all these new programs 
and being able to expand and help more individuals in our community. Um, I think it was probably in the first year or so that I realized that this is truly where I belong and this is my purpose in life is helping people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this is a the type of work that we do um, at Rogue Retreat and in kind of in the social service world in general. It tends to burn people out. You have an enormous job. What keeps you coming back, and what keeps you from getting that that tipping point? Um. Wow. <laughs> So she's not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what keeps me coming back is watching the progress that the folks we work with, um, watching their progress in life, watching someone that is um, fresh off the street or new in recovery, and watching them grow and flourish and change their life completely. Um, it is such an amazing feeling to see people that didn't have any self-worth, um, had no idea of what their future looked like. We have so many of them working here for us now. Isn't that amazing? It, it just, yeah, I just, it makes my heart happy to watch so many of our former participants become employees and watch them just continue to grow. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like a mom to a lot of our participants, and so to me, they're all my kids, and now they're my employees too. Um, as far as the burnout piece, I think that falls into play with it right there mm -hmm. as well. You, If you find something that you love doing, you never work another day in your life. And oh, that's, yes. That's mm -hmm. kind of where I feel that I'm at right now, even though I sometimes put in... 50 plus hours a week mm -hmm. um, it doesn't feel like work a lot of the time yeah you were t uh, you you, you well, part of your comment elicited a question in my part and that's what that's the reason I never try to write out questions because sometimes people say things and it makes me think of something you say you think of the people participants participants you tried to say mm -hmm. as um, what was it the word you said for children? My children. Yeah. Now, does that present difficulties when they become employees? It does a little bit because the, the dynamic has changed, but it's still the same um, whether it's participant and case manager or employee and employer. Mm -hmm. um, you still have that dynamic and you can just continue to... Um, to help them grow and educate them and um, just be a part of their success. Have you ever had to terminate someone that you thought of? A, anyway, have you ever had to terminate someone that you thought of in one way and that you had to do it despite your feelings? Um, fortunately, no, I've not. We have had to let some people go. Um, but they really didn't fit into the organization mm -hmm. as far as having the same heart and um, the camaraderie that we have with all of the staff here. Um, so we kind of knew in the beginning that maybe they weren't going to make it, but we always want to give everybody a chance. Yeah. Um, 
letting people go is not an easy thing and it's the same when we have to let someone go from our program Mm -hmm. um whether it's for non-compliance for relapse for whatever reason um it hurts Mm -hmm. it's not a fun thing to do but sometimes it's necessary yeah sometimes you have to um you know one of the things that listening to you talk to um you had mentioned um people fitting in and whatnot and with you having the majority of staff kind of under your your supervision within the organization i know a big thing that we talk about is culture and you work very closely with hr and everything how have you seen our growth and everything um really kind of expanding the rubber tree culture i mean in terms of when we're hiring staff and whatnot are you how are you seeing the culture continue to advance and and change lives outside of us as we continue to scale up and grow into a bigger organization i think we earlier we referred to ourselves as a gangly teenager at this point yes (laughs) (laughs) definitely um one of the things i've noticed with a lot of the staff um especially i'm going to use the kelly shelter as an example we have a lot of wonderful employees over there and many of them have gone through our program. Mm-hmm. And to watch the way they now interact with the guest over at the shelter, um, I think speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, they have walked in their shoes. Yeah. They've, they've lived those experiences, and so they know exactly what this person is going through. They can relate to them. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, helps keep our culture alive by um, having that compassion and just the heart for the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so for this is actually one of the first times that we've talked about our case management and programs in particular. Um, one of the things that are, we're becoming known for in the community is the fact that we don't believe in just warehousing individuals. We believe very much in having case management be the central ingredient of our programs right. so that we can work with people on the barriers that led, this to, led them to us in the first place. Can you talk a little bit about what our case management program looks like and the importance of case management? Uh, so do we have all day? <laughs> give us a read. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the short version. So... I think one of the most important pieces when someone first comes into our program is getting to know that person, um, getting to know the challenges they've experienced, um, the struggles, um, the dynamics that have happened in even in back in their childhood, and whether they've been through trauma, which all of our folks have been through trauma at one form or another. But having our case management staff get to know the person that way they can then tailor their the case management program around that individual. We have a kind of a template that we use for all of our programs that the case managers follow, but we kind of go off that just a little bit to be able to it's you know I think I've heard you mention this before relationship based and that's exactly what it is. Um, not everybody is going to be on the same journey. Um, other some folks may have unique barriers that no one else in the program has. And so the case manager has to be flexible enough to be able to have that compassion and understanding and then also know the different resources in our community that we can refer people out to and take them by the hand sometimes and walk them through these. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we start with some of the basics. A lot of our folks um, have lost things along the way during their homelessness that um, are essential to moving forward in life. They need to have ID, 
you know, birth certificates, social security cards. You can't get one without the other. So yeah. those all kind of go together. Making sure that they have um, health insurance, whether that's OHP or if they have a job through their employer. Um, they need to have good health care. Um, if they're not healthy, then they're not going to be able to move forward in life. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that their overall health is good. Um, we make them get connected with a primary doctor, primary dentist. Um, if there's mental health concerns, we connect them with those resources. We're not the experts in any one area. There are so many wonderful organizations in our community that offer those services. They are the experts. So. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of partnering with a lot of community agencies. Yeah. Um, and then we just kind of walk them through their life a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, credit is another big issue for our folks, so we bring in consumer credit counseling. Um, they meet with our folks and give them, get them credit reports and do some counseling with them and help them come up with a plan for... Um, I have uh, past child support or you know old debt because a lot of folks in recovery um, create a lot of wreckage and we're here to help them kind of clean that up. I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah all of us have been been there at some point um, but we just we want to make sure that they're healthy in all different aspects. Um, some of them have had multiple evictions so we're going to Help them reestablish themselves and build mm -hmm. good rental history. Then, which is a big deal. It is a huge deal, especially yeah. right now with the market the way it is. Landlords have the option to now pick and choose who they're going to rent to, mm -hmm. and a lot of times our participants are at the bottom of that list because they have one or more barriers in their background, mm -hmm. and so our job is to help strengthen those mm -hmm. and bring them up to the top of the list so that they are good candidates for landlords in our area. You know, you said something at the beginning of your statement. You mentioned taking them by the hand. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that's important because do you think that is one of the big strengths that this organization has over uh, other organizations that might do much of the same kind of things that we do here right that piece is really important to us because um, even for some of us that have been in this field for a number of years or are highly educated we still struggle with certain processes and procedures um, so to expect someone that maybe has been out of touch with these for a number of years to just say okay you need to go over here and do this you need to go do that they don't know where to go. Um, we had one person who was struggling because of some felonies on his background. He couldn't find a job. Well, I know of a couple of people in our area that specialize in that. And so I kept telling him, you need to go talk to so-and-so. And then one day it dawned on me, he has a fear. He has only dealt with parole and probation mm -hmm. on a different level. And I'm expecting him to walk through their door voluntarily. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought, okay, this is another challenge is a fear is a big part of what's going on. So I talked to the case manager and I said, I need you to take him literally by the hand and walk through that door with him and help him conquer that fear. Because it also provided him with the support that he needed. Exactly. Absolutely. Because, because I know from my own 
uh, life experience as a person with a major disability like blindness that you have gaps in your resume mm -hmm. that people aren't going it, to, it's bad enough when people see you and freak out and see, you know, and want an excuse to deny you because of, you know, the gaps that you may have on a resume, but you add the other things and right. it's really a, a gnarly little sandwich of gooey nastiness. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it reminds me of the 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 Grinch, the sorry Mr. Grinch song where it says a, a sour kraut toadstool sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Liz, I, I, I love the um too the um that you um talked about that story because I I do believe that we oftentimes look over sometimes why somebody is unable to do certain things and we forget sometimes that we each have a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that it kind of made me think about is you, um, you spent a lot of time with the case managers coaching them and, and in many cases teaching them and providing them with training to enhance their own school or their own tool bag. Mm -hmm. And so what you, as you were talking about that, it really kind of just brought me back to trauma-informed care mm -hmm. that in many cases um, our role as an organization of what you help guide us to is an organization that doesn't look at somebody and wonder what's wrong with them. Instead, we look at them and wonder what happened and then mm -hmm. see how we can then help build them back up. Right. And <clears throat> that's absolutely phenomenal. And I believe that you are a big reason for that because of your presence within the programs and helping architect the growth of this agency and what we're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And I must say, though, in Washington... Yes, I'm going to say <laughs> Watching you do your job... <laughs> On a daily basis, because um, I notice that you take a great deal of care, even with the people, and help them say, you know, look, you did something that you might have done better if you had handled it a little bit differently, but you explain how they should handle it and why. Mm -hmm. And that's important. And I, one of the reasons I love being here is that I do get a chance to watch people do what they do on a daily basis and uh, even with all the stuff that goes on uh, that I said that intentionally that way uh, <laughs> the, you learn a great deal I mean just by watching the dynamics uh, of, of people and uh, that's what gives me energy to be here even under the weird circumstances I'm here with <laughs> and uh, it, it makes a difference and yeah. I'll tell you and thank you for what you do because you do an awesome job oh absolutely now one of the things that we often reflect on is um, when you walk in the front door at Rover Tree you do feel a family-like atmosphere um, mm -hmm. between staff and everybody and and you are a leader of helping create that culture that we are um, that creates that warm environment and I know that we're coming down to our final moments here, and I always like to try to close out my last question that I have with, um, with if you were to encounter somebody today that was in that place where they had lost all hope, what would your message be to them? <sighs> really? You're going to throw a question <laughs> at me? Um, it was a slow pitch. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
I honestly, I would need to think about that for a minute. Um, a lot of times I will use some of the staff that we currently have and their stories a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I always believe in trying to put ourselves on the same level as the person we're working with. Mm -hmm. um, just so an example, I help out in the shelter intake office once in a while when they get backed up. Mm -hmm. And I was interviewing a gal recently who's been out on the street for a number of years. And as we're finishing up the interview, I asked her, so if, if we got you into our program, what is the one thing our staff could help you with that would be the most impactful for you? Mm -hmm. And she thought about it for a minute, and she just, one word, trust. Mm. And it dawned on me that out of the millions, billions of people on this planet, this woman didn't have one person in her life that she trusted. And so taking the extra time to chat with her, um, mm -hmm. um, just learning a little bit about her story. Mm -hmm. um, she gave me a hug when she left. I know we're not supposed to hug nowadays, <laughs> but um, I, I just, I felt like she walked out of here with that glimmer of hope. But you know, I think that's a societal issue because with everything being the way it is, I think a lot of people, it's easy not to trust other people. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, and I think, I think that is kind of the core of hope in many cases for a lot of folks is, um, for a lot of the folks that we're serving that have experienced, that are experiencing homelessness and being unsheltered, they have really lost family connection, friend connections, and social connections. And so really when we get to the opportunity to start working with people, we sometimes are their first reconnection with a meaningful human relationship. And that's huge. I had never even thought of that either. Well, and they do say that the opposite of addiction mm -hmm. is connection. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Yeah. Um, because the, the addiction or the homelessness piece, people tend to stereotype and judge. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a person working for us right now that informed us recently that this is his first job ever. That's amazing. And he's an amazing employee. Um, everyone just loves him. Um, and it dawned on me why no one can look past the physical characteristic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that he has. Yeah. They couldn't look past that long enough to see that there was potential there. Mm -hmm. um, so... I love what I do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, sort of like you were talking about the addiction connection thing. Well, it's sort of like we look to social networks, and yet the more social networks that we have, the more antisocial we become. <laughs> it's kind of true how that was working, too. Yes. <laughs> well, well, think, I, that's, well... Well, I better not do this, but that's probably pretty much puts a wrap on, <laughs> on this. Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, but oh, go ahead. I don't want to steal yeah, your thing. Yeah, I was just gonna say, Liz, thank you so much for the work that you do, and thank you so much for um, being willing to um, be our next victim for the podcast interview. <laughs> thank you for having yeah. me. Thank you for being had. <laughs> But I just wanted to reiterate that this podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Hurley's Tax Service, 
While doing taxes isn't easy, getting your taxes done with Hurley's Tax Service is easy. They're located at 10, at that 1040, no, at 843 Alder Creek Drive, Suite B in Medford. Their phone number, should you wish to call for an appointment, is 541-774-1040. Thank you for listening.